I'm Christina Rodenberg from the Oxford Astrologer, and I'm here with my friend Sally Kirkman uh, from sallykirkman.com. And uh, we're going to talk about the astrology of the month ahead from, well, the Libra season. And uh, like that, how are you, Sally? Yeah, I'm pretty well. Thanks, Christina. Um, Doing all right, just sort of. Well, we're in the midst of weird times here, aren't we? <laughs> I was trying to think about the month that's passed on a personal level, and it's all caught up with what's going on with the Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. the Queen. Yeah. Uh, has You're in Hastings now, aren't you? Has Hastings been going mad with, with Queen post Queen pictures everywhere and God bless the Queen stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it's... Well, it's certainly, it's everywhere, isn't it? It is everywhere. You can't go in a shop without a picture of the Queen and and people, you know, the queue, people going up to London to stand in a massive queue, which is, I think it's got a social media account of its own, the queue now, because it's it? kind of miles and miles of queuing. They said if it gets to five miles, they're going to stop it, um, <laughs> which is, but people are queuing for hours to, to go and pay their respects. So, mm. and London is full, apparently. Hmm. What about Oxford? I, you know what? There's pictures everywhere, but as otherwise business as usual. Hmm. Um, I I think that there are various different levels of the story going on at once, and there is the story that's the media story, which is hmm. you know all media's. There's basically a media blackout here for anything other than the story of the Queen. Yeah. Um, there's that story going on, and then there's people getting along on with their lives. And uh, in uh, for young people, it seems to have very little impact. Mm. For older people, it seems to be incredibly important. Mm. So there's many different, I mean, many different responses. But um, the the response of indifference, which is a young person, seems to be a lot of young people, is not being reported at all. You know. And yeah. I find that quite interesting as well, that there's a, there's a big silent group. And of course, you're, the other part of this is that it's a moment when everybody kind of gets, speaking of queuing, people are getting into line in terms of not, of, of dissenting voices not being heard. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's, <laughs> we were talking before the podcast, it's quite, you've got to be careful what you say, haven't you? You know, because yeah. everyone has such strong opinions. Um, you don't know which way that they're going to be. It's very mm. polarizing. Mm. Uh, and, what, you know, royalty is such an interesting archetype, you know. Um, yes. It's an interesting archetype. It's the, what the archetype of the queen. Mm. Um, and it seems to be one onto which people project things very, very easily. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they become idols, don't they, really, rather than human beings on some level and I found it interesting as well because the I mean her death came just before that massive full moon Mm. harvest moon um the moon in Pisces Mm -hmm. and it did feel like there was this outpouring an absolute Mm -hmm. outpouring of emotion and I know you know I, I I always get emotional um hearing about kind of death or significant deaths and at funerals. And and very often for me, it's partly it's triggering my own grief, you know, losing my parents, my brother, the people who are really close to me. I think you reconnect with that. And a lot of people have said that as well. 
there's, you know, there's what's going on over there, but it's also what's going on personally as well. So there was this outpouring of emotion, actually, during that full moon. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting also that Queen, what the Queen means for people, which is she's the mother. She's yeah. a mother archetype as well. Mm-hmm. This idea of being part of a um, of a family, and that's the mother of of a bigger family, which is one of the things that this royal family has always projected mm-hmm. as well. That 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 mm-hmm. she's the the mother of the nation, and even the mother of the Commonwealth. So there's a global part to this too. That yeah. the mother is gone. So of course people are going to recall or that the deaths of their own mothers. You know, and and it may feel for some people. I think didn't Justin Trudeau cry, also? But it may feel for some a lot of people like a member of their family has has died, especially for those people who have who are followers of the royal family. You know, who are royal fans, Mm. um, so to speak. Mm. Um, Yeah, and and I think the other important you know factor with all of this is that she was a constant. For years and years and years, there's this sense, I mean, you know, unless you're in your 70s, the queen was the the monarch. Um, So, I mean, it's an extraordinary long length of time as well. So there's that, and she was a sun Taurus, you know, the earth sign constancy, and it's being passed on to um, King Charles III Scorpio. So we're in this Taurus-Scorpio nodes, the eclipses, this time of significant change too. But I think with her, it was this sense of, you know, this sense, this sense of it's an end of an era as well. And I think people are wondering what's going to happen next after after just this constant has gone. And I think for a lot of people, the fact that it's the end of an era is a cause for mourning as well, because they're thinking of their own eras, what that means for them. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why it does not affect young people in the same way, because for them, it's like a new beginning, except, of course, Charles is not that young, but it's you know, it's part of, they're used to things, you know, they're, they're at the, when you're at the dawn or at the beginning of your life, it's a very different feeling about this than people who are um, at the other and on the other half who really feel it is the end of an era. And what does that mean? I have to say though, it does not come as a surprise to astrologers that the queen passed away this year mm. because of the nodes. So yeah. she was, um, Sun at zero Taurus, Charles is moon at zero Taurus, he's a Scorpio. She, you know, as Sally was saying, is a Taurus. So that's where the new the nodes were this year. And and in fact, and Uranus was the planet of revolution, has been making conjunction to the North Node for a lot of the time this year. So it doesn't come as a huge surprise. Um my only thought on it really was, oh my god, goodness. It you know there's not that you know when's it going to happen this year? I didn't really want to put my finger on it um, because who wants to predict that kind of a death? It's not a nice thing to be digging around into, but it doesn't come as a huge surprise to astrologers. Mm. And also, I mean, there's you know when you were looking at the the chart of well, there's also there's a debate over the time when when she did die. But what was most evident on that day, I think, was there was a moon-Saturn conjunction. Yeah. Of course, she was a Capricorn ascendant. Saturn was her ruling planet on her Scorpio midheaven, a life of duty, responsibility. So the fact that, you know, the moon and Saturn were side by side when she went, actually, I think, was a real cosmic nod. If she came yeah. in on Saturn, 
she went out on Saturn. That was, you know, that was what it was about. So, I mean, that was lovely. I thought mm. that was a lovely symbolism. Mm. Well, and she also worked up into the very last day. Yes, she did. Journey <laughs> and how Capricorn rising is that? You know, yeah. she, she she went with her boots on. You know, yeah. Also, I just like to point out that she looked really, really happy. She did on the last day, and you know, we all project onto the royals, as I was saying. But she does really look very happy in that picture, mm. and I, for me, because I, I have a different feeling about death i think i feel that she a good death is a fantastic thing it's a marvelous thing mm. you to um die while you're while you've been still working with your family around you um it can be kind of you can see when people are lifted out of of this realm into the next realm mm. um and it can be kind of a a, a joyous thing that she's been lifted out mm. it's sad for the people left behind but for the actual person, yeah, huge, huge release. Yeah, yeah. And for her in particular, because frankly, her life was a life of duty and service and very boxed in, yeah. you know. Um, so she's been unboxed, so to speak. And I think there's kind of a, a, a beauty in that. Yeah. And she lost, I mean, Philip died, didn't he, last year, 2021? Yeah, they were together. I mean, I think they were married for seventy-three years. Yeah, I think they probably were, and they knew one another for longer than that. So he was an absolute constant in her life. Um, and I know, you know, like when my um, father died, I remember my mum and him had been together for years and years. She really didn't enjoy living without him <laughs> yeah. because he was her constant. So you know, this this may be something in that as well. Maybe on a personal level, she thought, you know, I'm ready. Mm. Mm. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we really don't know. And that's the, I mean, I suspect that's true, though. I mean, why wouldn't it be? That is what tends to happen with couples who've been together a long time. They often mm. die close together because <clears throat> their lives were, you know, linked. Their lives were about that. Yeah. Uh, relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, and what's, you know, I was listening to another podcast. I know there are other podcasts out there, and it's shocking, called um, This Young in Life, which I highly recommend. I really enjoy it. And one of the um, Jungian analysts who talks on that was saying that the interesting thing about having, as you know, possibly with Jungian ideas, that you, when you have a very bright light, you also have a shadow. You know, mm-hmm. we all have a shadow part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And she suggested, and I think this is really interesting, that the archetype of the queen, so we have the queen, the royals here, that the shadow of that is the British tabloid press. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting thing to, a interesting idea to ponder, because I had never thought of that. And I do think that the tabloid press in this country is absolutely toxic. Yeah. You have the very bright royals and then this toxic shadow. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I know. It's like I can't. I mean, I haven't been able really to look at the. I don't look at them. Because it's just they're bringing out story after story. It's like, get another royal thing. Get another royal thing. <laughs> look at it from this side. Look at that person. I mean, it's all it is. It's it is. And it's a lot of it is, is not nice, actually. It's mean. I'm. There's a lot of meanness that goes on and pointer finger pointing and I mean and stirring things up. Mm. It's know? a mixture of mean and then um 
for and then sort of I'm trying to think of a way, a nice way of saying ass kissing, but it's a it's a mixture of those two things, very cruel on the one hand, mm. and on the other hand, sycophantic. Mm. And this is a, a um it's a it's not a it's not a pretty sight, you know. Mm. It's quite interesting, I think, too, from an astrological point that you know, there was that big full moon in Pisces, and then the sun, which is a symbol of the leader, has been opposed by Neptune, symbol of the media during this whole <laughs> during this phase of mourning you know it is there's there's the the royal family and then there's this media influence that just seduces and mm. it's the it's the the um neptune is that st- type of media mm. in particular the scandalous slanderous mm. gossipy gutter press yeah that's uh, the dark side of neptune yeah um and of course, the prince of that is Rupert Murdoch, the great Pisces. Yeah. Um, also Capricorn rising, mind you. So it'd be interesting to see. Uh, actually, I don't know what degree his ascendant is, but uh, you know he's had Pluto over his ascendant too, mm. uh, like the Queen did a few years ago. In fact, and you know she survived that quite well. Mm. Um, but yes, I think that you're that, and also just the. Um, it's interesting the resonance uh, also with the first Queen Elizabeth's chart, thinking about that, who was, of course, the Virgo, um, born on, th- I think, around the 9th of September. So she, her chart is resonating with the de- death chart of this Elizabeth II. Um, and we have, as you say, the gutter press going on at the same time. Um, but also this end of empire, really, because, you know, the empire begins with the first queen elizabeth as she sends her boats off to america and she licenses the privateers and begins this these voyages um and it's dissolved under this it has dissolved under this queen elizabeth the mm-hmm. second yeah interesting yeah real end of an era real end of an era end of an era and maybe even more than this the era of her own rule but the of this particular phase of this country yeah and i definitely i think that's very much the end of empire mm-hmm. has happened under her and we'll see be able to see much more with greater clarity what that means in a decade or two yeah yeah when we're looking back because i Sorry, I expect other Commonwealth countries will follow Barbados and leave the Commonwealth. Mm. Well, yeah, and will we be a united kingdom moving That's ahead? That's a good question, Sally. Likely, but we'll see. Um, it would it would be a huge. That's huge, mm. but not impossible. If mm. this, if the United Kingdom started to crack, I mean, the what's happening in Northern Ireland is already suggesting that. Um, and Pluto has been going through Capricorn for a long time on the British, the UK sun, opposite the UK moon. Um, you know, it, we'll see what happens. Mm. And these, I find that these Pluto transits do have a tail, don't they? They Something mm. happens and then mm. it takes maybe years for the result of what that. To be, yeah. And it's so slow moving. It's so yeah. slow moving, isn't it? So, should we move on to Libra season? New season. Yeah, can, I, can I just mention Serena Williams? 
You can. She's a Libra. Libra. <laughs> what, a woman, what a queen, right? Mm-hmm. A queen, the queen of the courts, the queen of the tennis court. And you just told me something really interesting about, because you, um, for everybody's FYI, everyone, Sally does really good sports predictions, uh, in particular tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of your things, isn't it? Um, it is one of my things, although um, I started with Roger Federer 10 years ago. And he's just retired. So I may be retiring my tennis astrology. We're moving into a new era anyway, by the by. <laughs> but yes, it has been fantastic over the last 10 years. So what are you going to say? What, what were you going to say about Serena? You told me that Serena, that when you Google search, you know, most who won the most Grand Slams, all the men come up and Serena yeah. does not come up, even though she's the one who's won the most. She's she's won 23 Grand Slams, which is more than Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Margaret Court actually holds the title of 24 Grand Slams, but she was the sort of earlier era. But of this, you know, real powerful era, it's Serena who's, you know, she's she's the top. She is the top. And she's got a stellium in Libra as well. So she's a real Libra icon, actually. I love her fashion. I mean, the fashion that she breaks sports. There's always bling and, you know, sexy yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> and hairdos and stuff. I, Serena is Suprema, you know. I'm, I'm sad that she's leaving, but I guess it's time. Um, mm. But it's interesting also that she, speaking of Libra, as something of a tennis, um, one of the tennis playing um signs because it's a, a sign that's about you and the other you know first mm-hmm. house, seventh house stuff yeah. it's interesting that roger federer is also retiring at the same time as serena so that massive massive ending yeah yeah i mean it is a massive ending i mean i think they're both the same age i think they're both 41 now so so that but it'd be interesting to sort of dive into the astrology a bit more and look at what's going on well the thing that pings for me immediately with that is a uranus half return yeah you're halfway yeah. round, you know, with the Uranus and Uranus is in Taurus now. So would that mean that they were, did they have Uranus and Scorpio? I wonder. Mm-hmm. Roger Federer does. I know that. And I'm fairly sure that Serena does. So yeah, it is about, you know, it's a change. It's a lifestyle change, isn't it? It's, it's, it's moving on and it's the right age to do so, to be honest, for professional, you know, you can't keep playing at the same level. Well, they've both gone on for much longer than most. They have and played extremely well, so been incredible competitors. Mm. So yeah, Libra. And also, um, they. It's interesting that you use the word competitor Mm -hmm. because, of course, that is a very Libran thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not competing, but I am competing. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's just a game, but I want to win. (laughs) It is, um, and then that's when you've got the Aries Libra axis. You know, yeah, yeah. you first, no, me first. You first, no, me first. Yeah, exactly. Mm. My Libra mother, who had, you know, seemed to apparently had very good manners, was just awful when we came to playing cards and things. Mm. She was known to sort of tip the board over and things. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting because it's kind of, it is one of those star signs. Again, there's a bit of a myth around because we think of, oh, Libra, all sweet and you know, all to do with peace and harmony and very gentle and kind and giving. I mean, there is that side to Libra, but Lordy, it's a it's yeah. a tough sign too and knows how to get what it wants. One of the cardinal signs, actually, the leaders of the Zodiac, very political. 
Um, it's a cardinal sign. I mean, I I find that with Librans that this the sugar is for a reason. They're ruled by Venus, of course, which is you know sugary. Yeah, honey, you know Venus. That's mm. that's the rulership, but that doesn't mean that that's what they're like, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are we going to look at the month ahead? Let's yes, let's leap in with. So we have, of course. The sun's moving to Libra, heralds the equinox, equal day, equal night. We're at one of the four pillars, um, starting a new three-month chapter, the equinoxes and solstices. Um, so, yeah, we've got a new equinox chart to take a quick look at um, yeah, to see what I'm might be coming up. And maybe we need to, is this the time, do you think, just to mention the last chart, the solstice chart? Yeah, that, please do. I think that's a really interesting Go ahead. Because, you know, I, I had a look back at what was happening on the solstice chart, which would have been the 21st of June. Um, and, of course, on that chart, we had Uranus slap bang on the midheaven. So what was the big shock going to be? And Moon-Jupiter conjunction in the eighth house. So, you know, this is this was the death of the queen, this massive shock that, of course, you, you know, you're not going to predict on that. Um, but when you look in retrospect, it makes complete symbolic sense. Um, so really interesting to see that. I mean, there's other things as well that that I think it, it kind of um, hints towards. But I think that that was the that was the big event, definitely, of the solstice chart. Yeah. And so we've put I put up the um, one for the coming equinox, which is on the 23rd of September, two in mm. the morning. Um, that's the exact moment that the sun moves into the sign Libra. Yeah. And what's interesting about this equinox is that it, the sun is also making the exact conjunction to Mercury retrograde Yeah, at that point, mm. um, which is a big turning point in the Mercury retrograde cycle when it makes that conjunction to the sun. Yeah, it's the midway point, isn't it? Between in the Mercury retrograde phase, actually, it's exactly halfway through. Um, and you can often start on, on a personal level. That's when you can start to sort out some of I've, some of the Mercury retrograde mix-ups. Um, mm. And I have to say, I've noticed this Mercury retrograde has been quite uh, discombobulating for um, already for communications, which is uh, classic. Yeah, but what I always expect, you know, but it has been this time. Yeah, um, it's, it's also opposite to Jupiter, you know, in mm-hmm. Aries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about you were talking about that very long queue. Yes, yeah, I mean the, the ridiculously long queue, and I think that is the Mercury retrograde opposite Jupiter. You know, it's it's the people wanting to sort of pay respects to the to the royal. Um, but they're stuck in this really long queue, which kind of has got a name of name of its own now, the queue. So I think that's part of it, definitely. And Mercury turned retrograde opposite the Jupiter as well. So um, it has been, they have been stuck in opposition. Mm. I kind of, for me, I feel, you know, there's this chart with the sun. I, I, I It worries me a bit having the sun next to Mercury retrograde because I kind of feel like, there's so much going on behind the scenes at the moment. It's like what's being hidden from us. Well, what, I mean, there's, what, there, are, what are we not being told? Yeah. Um, there's stuff going on behind the scenes. I mean, we all know that here in this country because, of course, the 
um, death of the queen is being used as a cover for doing all kinds for the government doing all kinds of things. For example, they've taken off bankers bonuses, which is just a very obvious, like, why would you do that? They've taken the cap off bankers bonuses. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've also, um, you know, brought back fracking. Yeah. Yeah. Earthquakes in this country. Yeah, so there's a lot of reversal, isn't there? There's a lot of reversal of, of rules and laws going on, and it brings un- undercover, undercover. So you know, and also it's Mercury retrograde in Libra, which is a sign that is to do with justice and the law. Mm. Um, so laws being rolled back. So this would work in any, you know, in any country. And the other thing that has rolled back under this Mercury retrograde is. Uh, the Russian front, so to speak. So there's been that that huge uh, blitzkrieg, essentially, in Ukraine, the lightning strike where they the Ukrainian tanks have rolled across, uh, is it a thousand square miles? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. But, but it's really, uh, and it's interesting because, of course, Putin is a Libra. Yes. And, yeah. And yeah. Zelensky is a an Aquarian. Um, Okay, so what else about the equinox chart? Uh, that I mean, that's one of the key things about this. And that when you look at the equinox, at, at a chart for this, uh, for an equinox or a solstice, then it does tell you a bit about the next three months. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this, it, it, it's a Leo ascendant. So that Sun Mercury retrograde opposite Jupiter is the big one. But also, we've got Chiron on the midheaven, mm. you know, which is what is that about? I mean, I wonder, it's, I wonder whether it is some kind of collective grief, collective wound that's going on um, with Karen and the Midheaven. What do you think about it? I think that, the, I mean, collective pain, you know, uh, uh, Karen can be very uh, straightforwardly about that, mm. uh, but it's also affecting people on an individual level. Mm. Um, I also think for, you know, just because I'm interested in asteroids, I find it quite interesting that there is a conjunction of Saturn and Vesta, which is the asteroid that we associate with power and power. And they're both a sign of electricity and Saturn is blocking that. Yeah. Because Vesta is retrograding into Saturn. Yeah. There is this going to be continuing trouble with power and electricity or a restriction of that Mm. um, out of which may come something positive a new way of doing this but there's that's simply restriction of power it seems to me Mm. of power for the hearth you know vesta is the asteroid of the hearth and the home so what does that mean that means literally you know your stove And the, and also, I think you know, there's the Saturn Uranus square is active again, big time, which you can see in this chart. Mm. Saturn at nineteen, Uranus at eighteen, um, and they're going to be getting. They get very close. They don't make an exact square aspect again, but it's it's this month actually when they're at their closest. So the Saturn Uranus themes that kicked in last year are back. I mean, it is partly about it's about money, it's about electricity, isn't it? It's about you know. Also, I think the other thing that it might be about is because a lot of people are feeling so fed up with leadership at the moment in governments. And I have noticed there's a lot of kind of online, um, what's the word, 
associations, you know, lots of different new initiatives coming up that are trying to gather support mm. online to take on the governments. You know, enough is enough is enough is one. But there's lots. I mean, even when I mean, we were talking a bit about oh, sewage problems around here in the seas and rivers. You know, there's a lot of associations and things online that people can kind of come together and sign up for. Um, and I think that's partly also this Saturn Uranus square Uranus, you know, it's trying to gather support online to take on a lot of these, the governments that are putting in rules and laws that are just wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's possibly how it's playing out as well. There is a protest side to this Saturn Uranus square too. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. And one of the things that's important with it is it should be collective rather than individual. Yeah. And it needs to be more organized. Yeah. You know, it's not um, enough anymore to, um, and what's interesting about enough is enough and other groups is that they are very political. You know, uh-huh. they are yeah. astute politically. Yeah. Um, and that they work through being organized rather than having just, I mean, Mick Lynch is a very is a figurehead for them, but there are others, and it's not just like behind one person. And I think that's very Uranian to me and Aquarian. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where that goes. But there's yeah. it gets very it's uh, the underlying theme of this month is that still that Saturn Uranus square. And I think in other parts of the world, I think we're still we're going to see lockdowns again or restrictions again. I think that's already happening in China, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, to do with COVID because it's not finished, you know, that there will be um, or that there will, this will be used or there will be other reasons for restrictions of personal freedom. Yeah. And look where it falls personally in your chart. Where is that 18 degrees of the fixed signs, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius, because that's where, there's this tension, actually. That's where there's some kind of clash going on. I often think with this Saturn Uranus square, it's kind of somehow you often feel stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's this tension, frustration, um, wherever it falls. So particularly important for Aquarius and Taurus, um, you know, where are you feeling kind of stuck? It's almost like sometimes there's a no-win situation. It's something else has to come in to break you free from it. It may be, I mean, Taurians, Taurians I know are actually, you know, a, quite a lot of them are having a cool and interesting time. Mm. You know, this Uranus transit. Yeah. Um, with lots of opportunities and options coming in. Mm. Um, so there can, there is like quite a positive side to this. I think it's also quite tricky for Scorpio mm. um, because you're kind of for Scorpio, uh, and even Leo, you know, you're caught in this uh, this crossfire between Saturn and Uranus. Um, I think that you know, for for um, Taurians at least, are kind of in charge of the change. You know, they are making the change, the personal change. Mm. As, as long as they're open to change, because. Yeah, you've got to be open to change. You've got to be open to the new. You've got to try things differently. Um, and that is the basic astrological advice with this Uranus and Taurus, isn't it? Yeah. The same for Scorpios. You know, you have to be open to change in your relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, you may find that you're going to fall in love with someone who's 25 years younger than you. <laughs> yeah. 
and it could work out. And why yeah. not? Yeah, and the same with Leo for career and vocation. You know, it could be time to do something completely different. It could be time to take your business online if you've not already, whatever. But it's kind of looking at um, that area of your life from a different perspective. What can you do that's alternative? Yeah, Um, and really radical for Leo. It could be that you completely give up whatever it was that you were doing and, you know, become a vegetable seller mm. or something like that. You can do something completely different. Yeah. Um, and doing the completely different thing, the completely unexpected thing is the right thing. Yeah. And Aquarius can go and live on a commune <laughs> with Uranus in the home and family sector. Get together with other people. Start a collective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aquarius have been having a bit of a tough time, I must say. Um, I've noticed that mm. even though Saturn is their planet and it's in their sign, And for some Aquarians, that's been really confirming and consolidating. For others, it's been a bad, you know, a really tough Saturn transit. Yeah, and and the, their rulers are in square. You know, yeah. there's, there's some kind of conflict or clash going on. Yeah, I agree. Some Aquarians I know have have had to deal with kind of Saturnian type things. Um, really tough things. Both, you know, some very lovely Aquarians I know have had to deal with issues around their own, about around being a parent mm. and loss. Yeah, actually. loss and endings. Yeah, um, and, and really, pro, you know, grief as well seems to be coming into it. Mm. Um, and I, I think, you know, we can. It's important not to be too um, banal, I suppose, about that. But I actually think that that one thing to keep in mind with that is that this clash of your rulers for Aquarius is very strong this month, but then it does start to separate. Yeah. I, so you I, may be feeling this intense splitting yeah. of yourself now, but it, it will get better. Yeah. This, it's kind of this month, it's it's again at its peak, mm. but you know, by the end of the year, they're apart and that's it. So there is something that may be untangling or breaking free yeah. moving forward for the rest of the year. I think we need to move on. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to stop that share and look at you and your all your glory with your telescope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we do we need because the first thing coming up really, isn't it? This this month is the new moon that happens on the twenty fifth of September. Yeah, so, what do you think of that new moon? Well, there are some similarities, I think, in the new moon because it's only two days after the equinox chart. So, of course, we've got the sun and moon still re- um, conjunct Mercury retrograde now in Virgo because it makes that conjunction with the sun on the equinox and then moves back into Virgo. Um, And all of them are, well, the sun and moon in particular, very close opposition to Jupiter. And this kind of Jupiter opposition is is such a big part of the month ahead because, you know, Mercury turned retrograde opposite Jupiter in Aries and then the sun in Libra is opposite Jupiter. Venus will move into Libra and oppose Jupiter. So it's this real powerful opposition. I find it quite an intriguing one. It feels like a real kind of push-pull in a way. Um, And there's, you know, Jupiter does expand. So it's kind of 
what are you raving about? Is is the question I want to ask, Mm. Um, particularly when it's opposite the Mercury. But what are you raving about? What's what's really grabbing your enthusiasm, your energy? Um, And it's kind of, I don't know, it feels really important or significant for you to deal with. I mean, it may be a partnership. It may be a relationship, especially for Aries and Libra. Um, You know, someone who's either teaching you a lot or you're kind of you're trying to get your point across. But it's a really it feels very powerful, this opposition during the new moon. Mm, I agree. Um, And there's it's interesting because it's like all of those other planets. You need all of that energy to line up against that Jupiter and Aries somehow. Mm-hmm. needs to be i want to say in some ways it needs to be seen so we're you know going back to the queen and the royals that's them up there um it, as jupiter jupiterian types so they're being looked at but also in another on another level it that jupiter needs to be countered but it takes all the energy of the moon, the sun, Mercury, and Venus all gathered together to counter that Jupiter, which mm. can be in, I mean, Aries can be a very martial sign. It can be a very aggressive uh, sign. Um, so there may be for certain, some people, for Libra, for example, you may find that you've got someone very aggressive to deal with and you need to get your allies with with you, helping you, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And also what's interesting, I mean, the, the the major oppositions are all happening before Mercury turns direct on October the 2nd. Mm. So it does feel like there's some, you know, debate or argument going on or needing to explore your options in full. Um, something that there really are going to be attention. I think there are going to be big political arguments. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, that's and I think that's here and and other the places as well. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, politicking mm. and changing of rules. Mm. And I think it's interesting that at this new moon point, by now Mercury is retrograded after the equinox. It it, it goes back into Virgo, um, which is a much less political sign in some ways. Well, it is yeah. a political sign than Libra. Yeah. Um, and But Virgo is ruled by Mercury, and then it has this Mercury retrograde going on in it. And for Mercury, Virgo is about, like, the details and finding stuff out. Mm. And I think things, you know, there are going to be details or things that you can find out with that while Mercury is retrograding in Virgo. It's like picking up the pieces, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, which you could then you'll then be able to use moving forward when um, Mercury goes direct. Is it the second of October that Mercury goes direct? Yep. Um, and then you're going to be able to put the pieces of some kind of puzzle back together. Yeah. And for Virgos in particular, I think you're going to be changing some view that you had, or some way of expressing yourself that you had is going to change. Mm. I also there's a I kind of feel it's about needing to. Um, come to terms with a different future. <laughs> That's also this, you know, Jupiter is such a, it's the visionary planet. So I think for quite a lot of people, perhaps the cardinal signs in particular, Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, it's needing to come to terms with a future that's going to be different. Things are shifting, um, you know, and there's different opinions around this. So 
and and it's kind of working it all out. It's trying to work it all out and not making a big decision until Mercury turns direct on October 2nd, possibly even holding off until Mercury's back in Libra on October the 10th. It feels like there's a lot to say. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of other, you know, people to get involved. And particularly for Cancer and Capricorn, it might, you know, it's about the foundations of your life. It's about home and family. It's about work as well. So mm-hmm. it does feel really powerful, I think. Yeah, I would suggest that you wait till the 10th of October, really, Mm. making those big decisions because you're picking up something that you left behind in Virgo. Yeah. uh, And then you have to get back into Libra before you can really. um, And this, funnily enough, applies to Geminis as well, who are actually ruled by Mercury. Um, You have to wait. and, And then things, then the year will really begin, the new term, so to speak will really begin as well because you know the other thing about this time of year is that um we're still at the beginning and the schools have started but the universities start now and it's like a kind of new year um at this point at the end of september i always think of it as a new year mm-hmm. um, and we can't really start with the new year until we've finished off tied up a few knots with the old year Mm. Uh, that won't really begin so it's it's like a delay until the 10th of October yeah Um, yeah and it might be looking back to you know the last six months as well when the sun moved into Aries mm. so the last equinox you know it's tying things up over the last six months looking at what's changed how you've changed as well I think I think it's a lot of people are kind of made you know looking at life differently different values different beliefs different principles yeah Um, so so for like Pisces, it's maybe about relationships also, what you're tying up, these loose ends that you're tying up. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, and that, you know, when Mercury turns direct as well on October the 2nd, look at where it falls in your chart. And I often think with um, Mercury turning direct, there's a theme of second chances or trying again or sending yeah. if you haven't heard from someone, you know, get in touch again, send off an email. Yeah, um, I think that with Mercury retrograde, actually, that it's always about... Yeah. Getting back in touch with people, so I, th- I think the retrograde period is really good for that too. And maybe um, when Mercury turns direct, they actually get back in touch with you. Yeah. Well, you think, oh no, why did I do that? Um, <laughs> we we're not in touch for a very good reason. Um, but Sagittarius, also, you know, this could be about your. It's very much about your future. Um, because that's where the Mercury retrograde is happening, and also, of course, you're ruled by Jupiter. Um, which mm. is re- also retrograde. Mm. Uh, it won't go direct to what until like, mm, when does Jupiter go direct? Not for a well, while. It goes back into Pisces first um, at the end of October, doesn't it? So it's, it's, it actually turns direct at the end of November. Yeah. That's this, the, on a new moon in Sagittarius, it's a massive turning point. But anyway, that's for another podcast, really. Another podcast, but I think that Sagittarians should be preparing for that now. Yeah, there's going to be a big change of direction for you coming later in the year. And you need to be and this is your chance with this Mercury retrograde to be getting some things organized. Mm. Mm. I Um, think also with this, you know, this for both Virgo and not Virgo. Yeah, Virgo and Pisces. There's going to be some it's about money and values in particular as well during mm -hmm. this period and kind of you know, reallocating money, pots of money or 
juggling finances um, again with this opposition going on because the Libra Aries axis is your money axis. So it's looking at those areas as well, maybe moving money around or yeah, looking for support or help elsewhere, whatever, you know, your particular situation. Mm-hmm. So how are we doing on time with your little lovely cursor? Okay. Um, I Let's think. Let's go to the next thing. Let's um, go to the next thing. So we've got the big, you know, the big event is Mercury turning direct, isn't it? Once we move into October, that's hopefully things get back on track. Also, it's a time when information comes to light. Partly what's hidden starts to be revealed. So we find out the truth of a situation um, and Mercury turns direct. And, And after that, it's a good time to start making those big decisions and not make wrong decisions like some companies have been doing during this Mercury retrograde, actually. The classic one was Centre Parks in this country who basically told everyone they had to leave the resorts for 24 hours um, on the day of the Queen's funeral. And then there was a massive outcry, so they backtracked, realised that was a bad decision and have now allowed people to stay, even though the facilities aren't open. So, yeah, you've more chance of making the right decision once Mercury turns direct. Hmm. And a particularly scrambly Mercury retrograde already, it seems to me. Mm. Particularly confused. Um, and I think the back to the Queen, I think one of the things that's been confused is is actually how to respond. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that people have really kind of not people, not everyone, some people are just straight from the heart know know how they feel but i think that um you know the press and the government haven't known how to respond so mm. for example liz truss was going to the new prime minister i mean it's extraordinary also that we got a new female prime minister one day and the queen died the next day some people are saying that these two things are connected meeting liz truss may have had an effect on the queen yeah rubbish <laughs> But she was going to travel around with Charles, wasn't she? And then she decided not to. Yeah. Decided that it would be a bad idea. Mm. Um, Because also Mercury. So it's about sort of protocol and things like that. It can be quite confused with a Mercury retrograde in Libra, which is actually the sign of protocol. It's the sign about good manners, diplomacy. How do you behave in a social situation in the correct way? That is the realm of Libra. So I think mm-hmm. there's been some confusion about that, and it will all become much clearer after the 2nd of October. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, moving forward in October. The we- goes direct. I mean, that's a huge thing as well. Yeah. Basically. It is. And that happens on October the 8th, Pluto turning direct. And, and what's really significant about that is that it's going to be its last forward motion through Capricorn. It will move into Aquarius next March. So it's on its kind of last stretch through Capricorn. Well, um, nearly last, but I mean, it does go back and forth, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I agree. But it kind of feels like, you know, it's not going to do a sudden about turning Capricorn. The next time it does it, it'll be in a new sign. So for Capricorn and Aquarius, you know, there's this kind of this 
there's something really pivotal or fundamental that may be shifting um, mm. over the next next year or so. I mean, as we were talking, as you were saying about Pluto, it does. It's so slow moving that it's kind of like almost a backdrop. It's a theme, isn't it? Um, that can go on for years, actually, wherever Pluto is. And the, I mean, it's the day of the full moon or the day after, day before the full moon, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, I mean, that's the, yeah, put the full moon up. I mean, it's the 9th of October. So Pluto turns direct. Then we, on the 8th, full moon on the 9th, Mercury moves back into Libra on the 10th. So this is a really pivotal little bit of that month, actually. A lot happening quickly. I I want to say I say a bit more about Pluto turning direct, which is that, you know, this turning time for Pluto intensifies Pluto. You know, it intensifies that energy. So anybody who's got stuff in late Capricorn or late Cancer is going to be feeling this really strongly. Yeah. Um, and also, it's interesting for the United States because of the Pluto return at twenty seven. So it's going to it's coming back again. Mm. And it, but it's coming back and going out, as you said, mm. you know, that it's it's on its way out. Um, and actually, we may see um, the usually the first hit is the most difficult when you're when you're getting these outer planet hits like the United States has had. And actually, it's you start to see some resolution of what that Pluto transit has been about. Mm-hmm. Um and when you talk about, we talk about what does it mean to say, oh, Pluto is really intense at the moment. Well, Pluto is the planet of transformation and of um, also of, of, I want to say it was a mercy killing, you know, of cutting things down or burning the crop fields so that you can grow new crops. Mm. That's what Pluto is about. Well, yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's, it's off some level, it's destruction, isn't it? It's clearing things away, completely clearing things away, destroying what's old to allow something new to come in. It's that kind of, I often think with Pluto, it's that symbolism of the the phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, But yeah, things have to be cleared away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's not an easy transit at Pluto transit because it takes you down to the depths, to the dark places, the shadow side of life, Um, you know. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we're now that we're in this last phase of of Pluto, um, of Pluto and Capricorn, what's going to be happening? Because the first phase of Pluto and Capricorn was the collapse of banking which was then propped back up again, like a kind of zombie bank. Um, yeah, 2008 was when it moved into, first moved into Capricorn. It's a slow transit. But also that was a very precise bit of astrology, which was the banks collapsed. It was going to be the next 15 years with, with, where economies are remade. And really what we've seen during those years is instead of the banks being restructured, we've seen a lot of more money being concentrated into the hands of fewer people. Yep. Um, and actually that may really change when Pluto goes into Aquarius. I hope so. The end of the blooming Plutocrats. Yeah, so do <laughs> I. Um, well, because Aquarius is the sign of a common people. Yeah. Right? Of yeah. everybody. Um, so you would think that maybe some of that 
plutonic wealth, because this is the planet of vast wealth, starts to get spread around. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll see what happens. But this is this last phase, and there may be events, so to speak. There may be actual real-life events in the world that are connected to that Pluto um, in Capricorn. Yep. Yeah, agreed. I, I think there will be. I mean, I don't know what, but, mm. um, I mean, people always um, focus on the markets, don't they? Mm. Uh, hook in with the nodes, which are in Taurus and Scorpio, which are also money. Yeah. Money. I kind of feel, I mean, with Pluto, it feels to me like there's going to be a last grab of yeah, getting hold of as much money as they can. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll see. We'll see. But what about this full moon? I mean, it's, you know, it's the sun and Venus are conjunct. That's nice. <laughs> that is nice, isn't it? That's lovely for Libra. Mm. Um, you know, that could be a relationship kind of coming back to life during this full moon, actually. Well, and it makes a very nice trying to um, Saturn and Aquarius, in fact. Mm. So it might be nice for Aquarians too. This, you know, it feels lighter. Mm. You know, things seem feel lighter mm. than they, they than they have been. It feels, and, and you know, the nice thing about Libra is that, as well as being sort of a new year time or a new stretch of the year, um, there's it's an air sign. You know, conversations, yeah, talk. Yeah, it's social, isn't it? It's finding it's it's getting it's finding the people you love and you know, it is about love. It's about love and being around people you love and being open hearted. And it's also a, a sign that we associate with like going to galleries. Um mm-hmm. I always think, you know, autumn in New York, you know, that uh Elvis Shell saying singing autumn in New York, that's is the sun in Libra, you know, coming into autumn when the theaters are starting up again and the leaves are beginning to drop and the galleries are opening and all of those wonderful things about living in a civilized world are, are, are opening up mm. and there's kind of sparkle about it. Mm. Mm. And I think there's a sparkle about this full moon on the 9th of October, um, especially since it makes that really nice connection to Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. We have Chiron back though again, don't we? It's interesting. Chiron on the midheaven of the equinox chart and quite powerful in this full moon because conjunct the moon. So, yeah. you know, that's. Sorry? Avoiding that. Well, you, I know, I know. But I mean, it's, yeah, again, we're, it's collective pain again. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, yeah. What um, kind of, you know, what's that Charon about? I mean, Charon, it's an interesting asteroid. I mean, it's like with all the asteroids, I mean, you have a much better handle on them than I do. It's kind of, I do see them playing out sometimes as wounds, but also it's, you know, th- there is a theme of healing. There is a theme of healing around Chiron. What what can you heal? You know, what can you release, let go of? And a full moon is an ideal time for releasing and letting go of emotions that aren't serving you. So, you know, maybe that's one way of looking at this moon Chiron. Let go of stuff. Just mm-hmm. focus on, you know, what's important and what 
makes your life shine in that sun Venus way, um, particularly for Aries, I would think, with it being your full moon. You know, so this time, what can you let go of? What have you had enough of? You know, what's not serving you anymore? Just release it. Let it go. It's about complexity. I mean, Chiron is a complex asteroid. Mm. It's, you know, represented by a centaur who is half horse and half human. Um, this is a person who was a doctor and a healer, but who also was wounded himself. So it's both of those things, the duality of so many of the, of the planets have, you know, a good and a bad side, a dark and a light side. And um, it's just very starkly shown in Chiron that sometimes you need to experience pain in order to evolve. Um, so it's like shedding a skin or like, you know, um, doing one of those shamanic ceremonies where you have to drink the drink and you feel really, really sick. And then you have the dreams and the revelations, but you have to go through the phase of, you know, of breaking something. It's mm. like um, that, the, you know, it's where the light gets in. The cracks are where the lights light gets in and you can't, evolve without being broken at some point mm-hmm. um and i think that this is very powerful for aries i have i i agree um you also see that chiron powerfully lit up which it is in this at this full moon in the charts of you know doctors and healers it just it's, it's just yeah. true you know yeah, yeah. You, you find it um yeah. especially 10th house you know, mm. um, so that would be for cancers. You may be dealing with a doctor or a healer who's in your 10th house. So you may find that you have a vocation for this. Yeah. Um, so there may be, you know, and also I would say if you're in the healing, if you do healing work, like you, anything in that area, massage, whatever, acupuncture, doctoring, um, this full moon may actually be, quite important for you um, as a revelation. Perhaps There may be some revelation at this full moon about your vocation. Mm. Um, if you're wor- already, especially if you're already working in that area. Um, and what I find interesting about Chiron wounds is that they can be like literally physical breakages. Yeah. Also be mental health issues. So mm. many people, um, so many of us have a Chiron Uranus opposition yeah. in our charts. I mean, I don't know how many times that happened over the last 50 years, but uh, it's very common mm. in people's charts to see that Chiron Uranus opposition, which is very, uh, it's, it's very tense. It can make you anxious, but it's also stimulating. Mm. Um, and I think that this, so that's interesting also when you have this Chiron full moon if you happen to have a strong chiron strongly aspected in your chart just to see how you check in with the physical and one of the things that chiron does is he connects the physical with the spiritual i suppose Mm. um so you have as a doctor you're physically especially a surgeon for example or uh you're physically uh, although not so much anymore with doctors here where you go in and they're looking at their computer. But um, 
say you're a surgeon, you're physically intervening in a person's body, but there's also a spiritual aspect to that too. Yeah. Yeah. And there should be, shouldn't there? I think there's an oath that doctors take that um, kind of links, there is the link that, and it makes me think of the centaur as well, actually. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's the spiritual and the, and the mental, actually, yeah. the spiritual, the physical, getting out the mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. connecting. Mm-hmm. And Chiron has this weird orbit as well, which, you know, loops around, um, connecting, uh, God, is it connecting Mars, Jupiter, Uranus? Where does it go? It has, a- it has a weird loop. It's kind of a bridge between Saturn and Uranus, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Old world and the new world, really. Um, um, linking, them, to- them, linking the head, you know, that Uranian stuff mm. with the Earth, the Saturnian stuff, mm-hmm. and also linking the past with the future. Yeah. So it makes it, it does make this full moon really powerful. I mean, the one thing I, you know, just looking at, because this is the 9th of October and the sun moves into Scorpio 23rd of um, October. That Sun Venus, they stay connected from the 9th of October, moving into Scorpio season. And there's a Sun Venus conjunction at 29 Libra. So, you know, that that lovely aspect of this full moon, the sort of social, mm. uh, warm, arty, beauty type of the, the full moon, the, the Sun and Venus stay side by side. Mm. Um, so align yourself with the right people moving forward as well. Mm. I think we need to wrap up. I'm just looking at the time. Yeah, I think we do. Um, and just to, uh, to reconfirm what you've just said, um, Libra is about alliances and friendships. It's like who's on your side, who's on your team, who's in your party. Mm-hmm. And with Venus there, I think it becomes easier, you know, but kind of really important. And also the sun the Venus is going to help the sun get past that square to Pluto and Capricorn. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. she's got it. The sun's got to kind of get past that, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. can be, it's always a tricky day, isn't it? The, Pluto, mm-hmm. the sun squaring Pluto. Yeah. Which is on the 19th. And then you get the sun conjunct Venus on the 22nd, just completing the cycle. But it does feel it is. I think there's so much of this, at this time that, you know, we are needing to find our people. It's not a time to be alone. <laughs> really, no, it's really time, to, you know, for solitude. It's a time to create those alliances, you know. And, and as we were talking about, that's the, it's not about being an individual either. It's about the collective at the moment. That's what kind of feels really important. Yeah. And I think that also thinking about the current Mercury retrograde and ha- it's time to get back in touch with your allies. Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. On that note, my dear ally. Yes, my ally. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you next month. See you next month. Take care. Bye. Bye.